0: All right, welcome back to the Valhalla Moving Podcast, where uh, I'm clearly not in my studio right now, and you, could, you can kind of see that I'm, I'm somewhere different. I'm actually here at the, um, the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful pad and new podcast studio of Jason Silva, who is my guest here today, and we are in the beautiful city of Amsterdam. Now, I've had um, the beautiful pleasure of just spending the, ne- the last few days with you rolling around. I look, I even got battle wounds to show for it that I just got this morning. It was great. It was all my fault. It was totally my fault. Um, but I got, you know, I got beautiful, beautiful experience here in Amsterdam and I'm so curious Mm. why Amsterdam? I mean, you're the kind of guy who travels all over the world. Mm -hmm. You've been, you know, I mean, I I met you in Toronto. We've met a a few times at Tulum, you know, there's magical places all over the place, but why, why Amsterdam?
1: Well, hi, uh, Mark, thanks for, uh, having me in this special edition of your podcast and thank you for creating this sublime scaffolding for conversations uh, i've dreamed of having my own podcast studio but kept deferring it because i was too lazy or unable to put all the pieces together mm-hmm. so your generosity in creating this is much appreciated
0: that's oh, my pleasure
1: um amsterdam yeah. And I, I really love this place. Maybe I'll kind of give you the whole backstory so that we are sort of build retroactively to where I am now. Mm-hmm. I first came to Amsterdam uh, as a college student in like 2001 or something like that. Typically doing the Euro travel mm-hmm. trains and mm-hmm. came with my buddy in between cities. I think we left London to here and then went off to Belgium. Uh, what we did, of course, was we ended up in the red light district, which of course is a novelty. But I don't really recommend it. It's sort of like my opinion, kind of it's like not the that. nicest part of Amsterdam. You Absolutely. know, I mean, it's got it's got a. Again, it, people go there to take pictures because it's this like hallmark of tolerance, legalized prostitution, so on and so forth. But it's not my cup of tea. But as a college student, we were like, "What's up?" So we went there. We went to the one of the famous coffee shops. You know, mm-hmm. smoke the a, smoked a joint. <laughs> uh, that as was everyone, probably, as one does in Amsterdam. Indeed. But uh, this is me at like 22 and like got way too stoned. Bad setting setting, bad environment. Totally got a panic attack. Totally thought it was laced. Oh. Then we like walked around the nasty red light district, which in our stoned altered state of consciousness was even more nightmarish and dark. And then we ended up ugh, watching like some kind of like, peep show type thing and it just bad trip all around got on the train that night and said i'm never coming back to this place <laughs> cut to cut two, yeah from 2002 to 2012 2012 my speaking career was just taking off brain games was about to come out i give my first paid talk in dubai and i wanted to come back through europe and fan of cannabis that i am i told my brother i was like well let's pass through amsterdam i've been there in 10 years mm. And instead of going to the red light district, this time we we walked around different neighborhoods, including the Jordan and the canals and just kind of the more charming elements of Amsterdam that when you first come, you don't really realize are there. And I kind of just like rediscovered it virginally. I sort of repaired the trauma of my first visit and then like fell in love with more of a soft fascination, if that makes sense. I started to be enthralled by the historicity of the city by the canals um the bicycle infrastructure so everyone in amsterdam moves by bike and after living in los angeles living in miami living in cities where the car infrastructure had become at least to me psychologically oppressive mm-hmm. um perpetuating a feeling of hypervigilance. like let's not kill someone let's not be killed let's not crash you know like this was more like, you know, obviously you fell off your bike, but in general. Oh,
0: but but here's the thing I fell off my bike when I didn't die. Well, exactly. If we had a car accident, it would have been, you know, we wouldn't have just Much like picked worse. up and That's, went to the media market and picked up some cables and exactly. shit and, and came back here. You know what I mean? It was exactly. a completely different experience. Fair point. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so you see women, you see children, you see like older people, younger people. I mean, you just see everybody, people in high heels riding bicycles. And I, and I just realized that it was like the livability. that it that it it gives a city that village quality of everybody cycling charmed the pants off of me psychologically speaking Mm -hmm. every time i saw one of these cargo bikes with a mother and her three little babies wandering around the canals i was like am i in a poem like literally am i in a poem and at the time i was really starting to pay attention to just like the nature of feedback loops and how they shape our inner life so it's like you know, I've talked about this before. Our thoughts shape our spaces, and our spaces return the favor. What we design designs us in turn. Set and setting, just like in psychedelic contexts, mm-hmm. you, you choose your environment because you functionally become your environment. You're shaped by your environment. You're 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 in, imprinted by your environment. And I was like, well, my career was moving in this certain direction, but like this place just kind of won my heart, and I kind of felt like well, I want to spend more time here because. Prompts me into delight continuously, like the, the 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 basic sense impressions I encounter in Amsterdam, like just kept just jolting me into like delightful micro reverie all day every day. I,
0: I think that I think that Europe has more of that, I mean, particularly in Amsterdam. I haven't yeah. spent that much time in Europe yeah. in, in recent years, mm-hmm. um, or, or you know, post pandemic, let's say. But the the idea of European lifestyle inherently is more friendly inherently is more communicative and in my personal opinion it is more uh we were talking about this yesterday biomimic it, yeah. it, it has a more of a biomimicry type of sure conduciveness right like flowing through the streets mm-hmm. of amsterdam mm-hmm. or and and the, the design of the fact that there is existing bike infrastructure next to every road there is yeah. really great metro systems there's um and and there's even like free boats that we take yeah. to go across the yeah the the you know the canal or whatever it is to the next point it it has a completely different feeling and then you said this um every time it's sunny outside in amsterdam it's a block party
1: yeah i think i mean it's interesting you say that you talk about the flow and and obviously they're masters of urban infrastructure they they constantly it gets voted like best quality of life, best urban infrastructure in the world. I think Copenhagen is also like they kind of compete for who has the better bicycle infrastructure. I think it also helps that these people invest a lot of money. They pay a lot of taxes in this country, but they invest a lot of money into the commons, mm-hmm. into the public square. Mm-hmm. And so in, instead of the focus really just being like on what's yours and your private property, I and mean, of course there's private property, of course there's rule of law, of course there's capitalism. These guys invented the stock market. They created New York. But there's also this, this emphasis on the we. There's this egalitarianism, there's the public square, there's the commons. And so people are hanging out in the public spaces and there's less cars and more bikes. And so it just feels like humanity. Feels like human scale. It's built like it's built for people. And, and then you have, of the course, the crisscrossing canals, which are just kind of an engineering miracle on top of that. And so yeah. the Dutch are used to working with water. And what does water do? Well, water flows. So I think that has like had an epigenetic effect in the sort of intuitive design principles that they abide by in this country, where they're like, well, water flows. So why shouldn't bikes flow? Why shouldn't people flow? Why mm-hmm. shouldn't urban flow be effortless? And like you say, emergent? So It starts to look like nature, mm-hmm. you know, where things just flow. And it's just like you know, small basic rules that lead to all kinds of beautiful emergent complexity. And it's, and it's, and it's a marvel to watch. You watch some of these intersections with the cyclists and you're like, how is people not crashing into each other? You know, mm-hmm. but it's, but it's incredible. You know,
0: anyway, it it works out. It yeah. somehow works out. Yeah, exactly. Now, speaking of flow, one of the things that somebody who, you know, myself, I've been, I've been watching your, your content for many, many, many years, I've been exposed to your content Um, both through uh, shots of awe and and kind of, you know, some of the stuff that you were doing, let's say, on social media, Facebook, those kinds of things, but also through brain games, but also through different, you know, systems um, and different, you know, let's say mediums that you've used. Um, Obviously, you, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. are the kind of guy who has a lot of flow. Now, Mm -hmm. somebody listening to some of your videos might think, Mm -hmm. oh, they're scripted, they're thought out ahead of time, they're, you know, the process of this is like maybe you're spending hours and hours and hours writing a script and then memorizing it, and maybe there's a teleprompter behind the camera. Sure. Any of those different things. Sure. <laughs> I would love for you to express to me how you enter a flow state. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I mean, the last couple of days, I've <laughs> I've taken the time to ride out in the middle of nowhere and into a park, and you know, lose <laughs> lose yeah. get a sense of time and, and yeah. kind of like you said, you exit Chronos and enter uh, Kairos. Kairos, yeah. exactly. So yeah. how how is it that you create? content how is it that you create stories because i think you have a very interesting process and flow and you're creating a container around it that is particularly interesting and i don't think people realize that you're really you're jamming
1: yeah 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 it's definitely my creative process is more like jazz than anything else it's like it's like surfing Mm -hmm. i remember once reading this timothy leary quote about I guess what you might call the the phenomenology of surfing or like the subjective experience of surfing and why we love it so much he says your future is right in front of you your past is exploding behind you your footprints are being washed from the shore it's a non depletive non-extractive act done solely for the pleasure of the act itself and that Mm -hmm. is the destiny of man and so again it's it's that's kind of a poetic way of saying you're just in the moment you're on the crest of the wave and that's very similar to a jazz musician, you know, getting in getting into that flow state, getting into that pocket, you know, and, and, and flow states are characterized by feelings of timelessness and effortlessness. You know, all of this is happening. I remember reading this book about jazz and consciousness. I think this guy was, I can't remember the guy's last name, but he described this experience where subject, object, and process become one thing. So if subject is me and object is either the instrument I'm playing or me speaking, and then process is the whole unfolding of that thing, it's like I'm using words, words, Jason, and the act of speaking is becoming one thing. So I definitely, it definitely uh, emerges for me when I'm, when I sort of jump into the space. Mm-hmm. Um, I arrived to, Realizing my love of, of of I guess you call it spoken word. McKenna calls it ecstatic vocalization and empowered articulation. But well, I would
0: me, say it's, it's also poetic in, in some there, ways. Thanks. I would add I would add an element yes. of poetry. There's some kind of poetry component to
1: what you're doing yes. that that is
0: an influence there.
1: So totally, and and I arrived to it intuitively because it, it's not like I had read about flow states as a high school student, but mm-hmm. uh, it really happened in combination with. Um, my love of making videos and since I was a kid, since I was like 12 years old, mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been making videos, but I used to get into kind of a flow behind the camera, just like directing. I didn't really turn the camera on myself and and start flowing in conversation until uh, I started to host these salons in high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my thing in high school was, you know, I sort of eventually, I discovered alcohol and it was like, okay, maybe I can do this, uh, uh, responsibly, like, at parties once in a while because I enjoyed the exhilarating feeling of being uninhibited. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I had, like, what they call liquid courage and I could, like, you know be much more flirtatious with girls and whatnot. But, but I also discovered cannabis. I, I, I wrote an article in my high school newspaper and I read a book called Marijuana Myths, Marijuana Facts and just kind of discovered that cannabis had this rich history in the creative arts, poetry, jazz, just musicians had... Use this compound and its toxicity levels were non existent. Nobody ever died from cannabis and so on and so forth. And so that's when i first like kind of woke up to the propaganda behind the drug war in general mm-hmm. and in any case i made the case to my parents that i was like well i wrote this article i'm really curious to try this cannabis thing and i was very serious about all of my all of my experimentation <laughs> i love how you
0: made a paper for your parents yeah, for that, sure to like pitch it is like oh, hold on i want to yeah, try you know? this thing yeah i want to be responsible totally <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and,
1: and 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 i was one of those people that like you know the first time i tried cannabis i just it just like transported me instantly into a kind of waking dream state that's how i describe it where i was just like immediately uh it, d- it doesn't like david lenson talks about this it doesn't it's not that it defeated the cognitive mechanism like it's not like i i i, I my my judgment disappeared it's not like i, I acted irresponsibly yeah. but it but it it, it it without without defeating the cognitive mechanism it's still like it still like shifted the way the world landed to my mind and to my senses and that and now I sort of refer to this as like aesthetic consciousness or like turning time, making time liquid, you know, or like moving from Kronos to Kairos. But at the time it was just like, is this a movie? Why does everything feel like a movie? And and eventually, you know, I, I was able to arrive into realizing the role of set and setting and the people that you were with because you enter into a relational field and your sensitivity is massively heightened and your reactivity is massively massively boosted and Mm -hmm. feelings of salience and increased meaningfulness permeate everywhere you beam your eyeballs. And so I, I realized immediately, I was like, oh man, so the right people, the role of curation, the role of music, it's like man, have you listened to Pink Floyd? Okay. But have you listened to Pink Floyd? Hi. Mm -hmm. You know, like, have you you heard that meme? It's like, oh man, have you watched this movie? Yeah. Yeah. But have you watched this movie? Hi. You know, oh man, have you seen this movie trailer? But have you seen this movie trailer? Hi. And so I started to just handpick my closest, most interesting friends, bringing them together on Friday nights to my house. And we'd all get really high. And then I, you know, I just, we'd sort of play each other cool music and songs and movie scenes and so on and so forth. And the other thing we'd do is we'd interview each other, and philosophizing. You'd curate.
0: You'd, curate. you'd yes. curate, curate your environment and then test
1: playing like That's and right.
0: recording to some degree too.
1: Because the recording became this kind of, uh, it was like, it was like okay, we would all kind of catch a buzz, get yeah. in the zone, start laughing. You know, we, we learned to trigger the reverie. To mm-hmm. to engender the laughter, the comedy, the so on and so forth, and and then once we were in that the looseness of that place, I found myself laughing uncontrollably, and it's like you know at the end of a laughing fit, you may be many things, but one thing you aren't any longer is self conscious, you know, mm-hmm. and so it was like we then we'd film each other, and I'd be like I'd ask my friend Er. You know, ER, how are you feeling right now? (laughs) You know, or he'd put the camera on me. And there was such trust and such safety between us that it was like not awkward to put the camera on, you know, we're stoned as hell. And hey, ER, how are you feeling right now? And then you you start to get playful with the improv because you're so loose, you know, it's very different than being drunk, but it has a, a quality of just the holy fool. Like you're you're in the mood for not just being playful, but for being real silly. So then it would be like, hey, bro, how are you feeling right now as you as you surf the altered realms of being, you know, like is your soul melting into other dimensions? Like, you know, you start playing like being exaggerated in your discourse, playful, absurd and putting your friend on the spot and encouraging him to be playful and absurd in his answer. And so what it encouraged was, I think, uh, a flexibility of um, an elasticity and a playfulness with language and with a boldness in playing with talking, like playing with talking, and 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 then what what we would then afterwards go up to my media room that I happened to have mm-hmm. my own little media room. Mm-hmm. So my mom was really sweet, and we would then connect the camera to the big screen, and we'd watch playback of what we just recorded, and that was revelatory because I almost didn't recognize myself, and and this goes back to me is sort of my default being much more self-conscious, much more serious, much more like in my head, you know, a cautious kid. As the watcher,
0: when you came back to watch it, all of a sudden your mindset had shifted. Now all of a sudden you were more judgmental of yourself. No,
1: it was the opposite. It was that in general, in my day-to-day life, I was extremely a serious, cautious kid. Like vigilance first, checklist consciousness before I'm safe, before I can relax. And Mm -hmm and what was happening in those salons was that we were getting into these these reveries where i was free of self-consciousness and becoming the life of the party in a way like mm-hmm. i was just so playful so not uptight yeah as compared to how i normally was mm-hmm. so much more free so and so so but then one thing is having the experience and then you come down you get sleepy you go to sleep something else was the fact that we were making these videos and then i was watching these videos later so when we so watch judge them you can you right. can
0: see where it Correct. was funny where it was different where Correct. where it landed where it didn't That's right. you could show it to other people and see their reaction Everything. So you started going through what is basically an unofficial storytelling schooling of sorts like it's almost like yes. you're in training of learning what Yes, what eventually becomes your career eventually yes. becomes what you know. This is pre-social media, of course. Yes. This is pre-all of these.
1: Imagine if there was YouTube back then. But but sure. but here's where it was psychologically revelatory. Again, I was an extremely shy, self-conscious kid. I never got the girl that I liked. I always felt like she wasn't going to like me back. She often didn't like me back. Like I really. I wasn't like smoking cigarettes with the cool kids after school. Like I, I was intellectual, but I liked hanging out with quirky, cool kids. I, I didn't like to hang out with like the scenesters. I never felt good with like the shallow and the super cool and the scenesters and the popular kids. I got along with them, but that wasn't my speed. So I just, I just felt kind of awkward around that crowd. But what was interesting about seeing the footage of me free of that self-consciousness and inhibition, what was revelatory was I almost didn't recognize who I saw on the screen but it's not that I didn't recognize them as in, as in like, Oh my God, that's not me. It was more like, fuck, is that me? Am mm. I really, am I really that free? Am I really that relaxed? I don't feel that relaxed a lot of the time, or I don't think of myself as being that relaxed, but it's was like, holy shit. Like, huh. So it wasn't just a dream. It wasn't just some reverie. It was, that really happened. And I, I sort of, came across to myself much more confident and embodied mm-hmm. than i felt myself to be in mm. some weird way you know so there was some kind of like object subject duality collapsing in on itself where it's like i embraced myself subjectively by seeing myself objectively mm-hmm. and that was the vigilant version of me having to make sure that whatever happened in those reveries, I could objectively watch later to make Good. sure that I wasn't making a fool out of myself or being embarrassing or being yeah. ab- or being when absurd in a way. Of or something, whatever, or something, whatever it was. Whatever it was. Unacceptable. Yeah. yeah. I would watch it and I was like, not only is that not unacceptable, that's who I want to be. Mm. I want to share this with the world. Now, at the time, it was like me and my friends, we would share those videos with each other. Mm-hmm. and i would show my mom hey look at this conversation we recorded last night and again it wasn't just me it was me and my dear close compatriots you know mm-hmm. all of us you know were wonderful and eloquent and interesting and just we're fucking flaneurs man we were the dead poet society like full on mm. and uh, and that was like yeah that was like a teaching thing that created a self a reinforcing positive feedback loop I would film, I would watch, I would film, I would I would let go, I would film, I would watch. I would let go, I would film, I would watch. I would let go. So that became the muscle memory. And you're still doing it. Exactly. You're still doing it.
0: Now, let's talk about... Hit my mic over here. Need to get this dialed still. Okay, so let's talk about how that how that plays out here today is one of the things that, you know, this, this podcast actually used to be called the Superhero Academy. And I actually built an online school out of making video podcasts in studios kind of like this. I mean, I you know. I've and been, you're really
1: fucking good at it.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, one of the things that I think um, made me understand why Superhero Academy and even starting podcasting, was gonna be super important to me in my career and was gonna change the way I think and the way I operate was I really understood that um, we all have superpowers, mm. number one. Mm-hmm. And sometimes though, we're a little shy about our superpowers. And we almost need like an alter ego to <laughs> essentially step in, right? So you think like, my one of my favorite movies, uh, uh, Tyler, uh, uh, Fight Club, Tyler Durden, and the the entire main character which we don't even they never name they call him jack online right for those who read but they never name oh, the never actual name well edward norton never has a name interesting they mm. only talk about tyler durden and how yeah. this guy yeah. wants to be him yeah but the <laughs> i believe that there's like this this power in almost having an alter ego in almost having um a stage presence it's almost like when you're creating your set and setting what you're doing is saying okay I'm stepping into superhero mode. Yes, I'm going to go out into the middle of you know. In yeah. your case, you like to go into the park. You take yeah. a bike ride. That's yeah. why you love Amsterdam. So you go out there. You find the the right joint with the right yeah. the, the right strain too. So yeah. it's not an indica. So it's mm-hmm. not a body high. It's more of a mental. It keeps you you know lucid to mm-hmm. some degree verbally. Let's mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. Um, all of those things create that perfect condition. And yesterday we were talking about that and the the kind of womb space where all of a sudden when you're in that right environment for sure you feel protected you're with somebody who you trust you're with that's right somebody who can who can film or shoot you know on the camera and capture the different elements of what you're doing Mm -hmm. how does that how does that how important is that to you and how do you do you recognize that as a superpower like what would you say your superpower is and how important is the set and setting for that superpower to come out
1: yeah i i love the uh, using that metaphor of the superpower, I, don't, I actually don't think it's a metaphor. I think <laughs> it's a pretty empirical fact. You know that you know you find your superpower, man. You're set. You're set for life. But for sure, I, I think what we're really talking about here, and that's why it's kind of related to these ideas of like self consciousness and self doubt and the inner critic. You know, one of the hallmarks. Again, I came to learn about flow is that the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex, in other words, the inner chatter, the inner Woody Allen, that kind of like gets shut down. But you might think of that as like the superego. You know, that's like socialization. That's like what's been taught. That's like the ways in which you've been inhibited into compliance. That's the part of you, it's like, i can't sing and dance i look stupid or i don't have a good body or i'm not attractive or i'm I'm gonna make a fool out of myself and there's reasons to fear that kind of rejection because we are social beings but there's also also,
0: it's also important to Mm -hmm. some degree i actually think it's part of the process of discovering your superpower is to let that super ego actually rise Mm -hmm. have a period of time where it's like okay i understand i'm actually really good at this or i'm not so good at that and then come back down to earth like it's like it's almost it's almost like a good way Yeah to to remove okay how do i have to behave at school or in an office or you know at the mall or wherever it is in public and can i now just step away from that into a different state a and, different and place? that's
1: true that's true I, I, you, we shouldn't poo poo on on being sure. socialized into compliance like it's nice to be able to play dress up and go to a party and behave i sure. have a lot of friends who i adore but who are so volatile because they're such they're so rebellious in their nature against any kind of socialization that sure. they're great to hang out with in the park, but you can't take them anywhere. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, I'm not poo-pooing on being able to, like, inhibit yourself when necessary. Yeah. But there's a, another aspect of who you are, perhaps a more truthful, virginal, feral you totally. that, ha- that is more impulsive, that is more free that is free not just of self-consciousness and the inner chatter but free to act out its own creative impulses and how do you unleash that fire hose that manic geometry the creativity of that intensity of that feral intensity without like going off the rails crashing into people or things you know because you can and so what i'd like to create basically is an adult version of an inflatable castle why do little kids rent an inflatable castle for their birthday? Because finally they can run around and smash into walls and do somersaults and back flips and front flips, and you're not going to break your neck and you're not going to exactly. smash. So it's like very important. It's like, fuck, man. Like you're safe in the adult inflatable castle. You create an adult inflatable castle, and it's like you can sing and dance in the nude. It's a cognitive slip and slide. And how fun to slide, to ride, to fly, like to enter that kind of subjective state because you know not everything that is born of it is the most is the is the is is a symphony but 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 you're 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 in 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 wavy waters so to speak and Mm -hmm. and you want to make sure you're safe because it's like don't do stupid shit jamie wheel said you know and he's right but if you can create a space where you can do stupid shit safely the stupid shit can lead to the sublime you know mm-hmm. the profane and the sacred are often two sides of the same coin, and so it's like. Brrr. So anyway, I, I create those containers as places that are, in some sense, my creative studio, but also places for me to purge. I, I purge in the container. Yeah. I I, I, I extaculate all over myself. <laughs> you know. But 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 <laughs> that's but a great, that, sure. great expression. But sure, sure, I mean, you know, we, we, we I mean, there's other. This is analogous to the idea that like, okay, like when you're in bed, you know, with your sexual partner, like you're naked, you know, you're aroused, you're like playing with each other's body fluid, your identity is merging and disappearing into the other person. Maybe you're weeping. These things are not necessarily going to be acted out when you're riding the subway with a bunch of strangers. Like everything requires a container. So have a bedroom and create an adult inflatable castle, you know, for yourself as part of your creative dojo and be disciplined about your ecstasy. You know, Flaubert, he said something similar. He said, be disciplined and orderly in your life so that you can be violent and original in your work. Mm. And that's that.
0: I like that. Me too. I like that. I I, I think that um, I love, and this is what I think people do not see online is that part of your part of the magic that you get to bring to the world and part of your process is, like you said, that that bouncy castle for adults. It's the environment that shapes everything around you that then allows you to have that, that yeah. different component. Yeah. Now, one of the reasons I set up a podcast studio, one of the reasons I started podcasting <laughs> is for two reasons. One is the selfish element of, I just wanna to talk to amazing people and I wanna learn from amazing people. And I, I'm much more enthr- enthralled, um, from the medium of video and from the medium of audio because I can hear the emotion and I can see the emotion within whatever somebody's saying or creating and I can feel where it kind of hurts or I can feel where it, it, it makes them ecstatic and all the different things. And that's part of why I think your metho- your methodology of making videos that are you know perfect for Instagram, perfect for now TikTok and all these three mm-hmm. forms has um, shifted and grown and changed. Now, what I find fascinating, and this is something I told you two years ago, and this is where we literally manifested it here today, is that we're literally sitting <laughs> in, you know, a beautiful podcast studio. So I'm just gonna go a little bit behind the scenes here. Who's that cute girl? <laughs> it's Who's that? Over here. So we've got, you know, we've got this beautiful studio with this, with this nice stage, right? And I just wanna show, awesome. you know, that we've got cameras, and we've got lights, and we've got all these different components that enable this to now um, <laughs> take form. Because I, I, the way I see it, is that we're using this gear, and you said this yesterday. We're electrifying. We're capturing. Totally. An essence and a flow and a conversation, and at this point, a friendship. Right. Oh, we're, yeah. we're capturing and creating a medium. Where this studio and even these headsets yes. create a little womb, a little cocoon, a little space, and and that's why I knew that podcasting was going to be for you. Like I was like, <laughs> you did okay. Well, I did. I do. I, I no, really, did. truly did. Yeah. I you was did. like, it. I see the. I see you going into, you know, CN Con at the beach, or or, or you know, g- going having a good conversation, going out for a bike ride, living experience, coming back and saying, okay, now I want to capture it. Yeah. But I knew that if you had the cocoon, if you had the environment, if you had the simplicity of something like this yeah. setup using Cinemaker, which, by the way, graciously supported us here. I
1: love Cinemaker. <laughs> I love Cinemaker. <laughs> I am using Cinemaker for my podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Cinemaker.
0: Oh, yeah. And, oh. And, and we're able to just you know switch as we're talking. I mean, those who aren't seeing this, I'm literally switching as we, as we speak. But the, the idea is that it creates that perfect womb. It is at phone. home. Yeah. You turn on the lights. Everything's set up. Everything's wired. You Completely. just need to know a couple of little basic things. You can also call me in for support and I'll be, I'm sure I'll be supporting you for, for some time and, and working with you and helping you produce this. But then what I love about it is that it unlike a video, when sometimes in your the way you're creating, you have to start and then you have to flow, 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 flow. and you you have to keep it going and then sometimes you like need a minute to think and pause or stop or maybe somebody else brings something in yeah yeah i think this is an evolution to that format for you yeah because now you'll have more time and space to stop to think to to kind of banter a little bit for sure and then halfway through a podcast all of a sudden there's that moment. There's that 30 second rant, that two minute thing, Definitely. that, that peace, that flow state that now is in- yeah. engaged and enabled.
1: For sure, man. Thank you for sharing that. I think also this is a great way for me to learn to listen. And, mm. and, you know, I pick up information everywhere from books, from people, from TED Talks, and so on and so forth. But sometimes when someone is just talking to me, like looking me in the eyes and talking to me, mm-hmm. I sometimes get uh, directed attention fatigue, where it's like I, you know, I might be entrained with them, and then a topic shifts, and all of a sudden I'm not so entrained, you know, and I start to get anxious because I feel like okay, I'm not tracking or I am tracking, but I think that this is a way of just coming into yeah, a studio or a, a dojo of sorts and being like, take the pressure off. Mm-hmm. you know it's not a job interview it's not even an interview totally. and just allow yourself to bear witness to another person see what emerges from listening to them and and it'll just i think it's going to at least for me create an opportunity for a faster feedback loop in some sense where yes things will come out of both of our mouths that that are completely emergent of these conditions and, and and these are different conditions than the conditions that i have been recording content for my career thus far
0: so What? Well, for it's definitely different than brain games we have to show up and sure and do hair and makeup and this and that there's a bunch of people behind the camera now all of a sudden not my company is significantly more yes. that is scripted that is going down no. a rabbit hole that i mean you you're, you're you know i'm sure they're letting you flow a little bit I know i'm curious about how much very constricted flow i'm sure yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. so you kind of have to you know start here get there kind of thing right like they 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 determine at least the in points and out points whereas here we're completely outside of that realm and and what i love and you know i love about your backstory around how you got into even making these videos and and, and creating these stories is to me this mimics more like that flow state with your friends because this, you could have your friends. Like, they can join dude, on a I Zoom mean, call. that's why I'm so excited. Can, no, they we're going to chime we, in. We're, we're put in, the second another, microphone another mic over here. I'm going to have
1: my two best friends there, man. I cannot <laughs> wait to recreate those hangs from Caracas, dude. Yeah. And it's going to be like that. And then, yeah, one of the things that I've always uh, thought was interesting when, when Rogan first blew up, sort of became the poster child for podcasting but like you know now he's so high profile and it's like serious guests and high profile people but like really originally it was him and his comedian friends hanging out Mm -hmm. and what i appreciate about that is that it's the kind of the same ritual as us it was like comedians shooting the shit being silly with each other you know being comedic with each other and from that comedy all kinds of creativity was born Mm -hmm. i look forward to in addition to some friends of mine that are I profile but i look forward to pulling a kind of like humans of new york vibe where i just grab somebody that isn't known publicly but it's no somebody who i adore somebody yeah. who i think is a pl- a friend of mine who is playful and interesting mm-hmm. and then it's like hey man let's I, let's show the world how we hang you know what i mean absolutely and, and recreate that feeling of of high school I, I think it'll be very uh fun for me
0: Well, and it's also, you could could bring on local superheroes, right? Like people who are everyday people who do amazing things. Also. Like, you you know, you introduced me, um, one of the places that you brought us to when we were biking around was this amazing kind of antique store. He you told me the story of this guy who basically, you know, and then it it was funny because when we walked in, the employee that was working there, yeah, Englishman, you know, sounds from from England, he he was all of a sudden, he was like, you know, my boss, he just sometimes, he, he, he couldn't sleep at night. So he would wake up and he would just leave. And then he would call his wife three days later and he was like, I'm, I'm at a random store, random, you know, barn somewhere in the middle of Poland. And uh, yeah, he just told me the story. And then it's like, that's an amazing character Mm -hmm. of somebody who is going out treasure hunting, essentially finding these unique pieces from all over the world and running an antique shop by just his curiosity. Yeah. And I think that that's what we're all chasing we're yeah. all looking for f- to find a way to allow the gap and this is what i I always say the gap between record and publish needs to be as short as possible but i'll add one more step that I think is now inspired by you at least the the the, the way I think about it is the gap between creativity and record has to be as short as possible and also as as like control not controlled but but engineered outwardly so that inside that mm. that bouncy castle, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden I have every capacity to think, to ponder, to 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 flow For and then sure. say, okay, I've got it. Bang, let's hit record on something yeah. and just and just move through it. And then where Cinemaker and all these other tools where this SES system comes into play is now I can record and the second we're done, boom, I can hit publish. I can I can clip it. I can do all these other things. I can bring all these different components and layers into it.
1: No, I, I, I I'm I'm with you, and it's interesting that I, I started with salons that were podcast like mm-hmm. uh, Friday nights in, in my house in Venezuela in high school. Eventually, uh, my uh, capturing content for me became a much more extroverted out in the world. Like I want to go into hikes, I want to go into nature because these places would like blow my mind, and then and then and then the exaltation prompted me into recording let's record the exaltation and so people are getting a you know extaculation for sure but but what it's interesting about this is i think that it might not go as it it might not be as like manic in its in its transmissions but instead it'll be deeper yes wider more spacious and so for people who have ever enjoyed what i've put out Mm-hmm. It's kind of like ooh, like this shows them, in some ways, the mind that produces those other videos. That's it's behind now, the scenes, yeah, in a way. And
0: people, and people
1: like that. People dig it, I think, right? So.
0: Like if you're a fan of 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 Will Smith, for example, or you're a fan of this yeah. person or that person, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. right? You kind of want to know more no about how they became the character that they were in the movie became the For entrepreneur sure. like i want to. i would love to know For how sure. elon musk thinks or what does he wake up when he wakes up in the morning is he the kind of person who wants to eat breakfast or not yeah. it sounds silly yeah But the more that we admire some of the people who have achieved things that we you know that are interesting to me yeah i i truly believe that the most interesting component is not what they've achieved it's more about the way and the framework that which they think that got them there
1: well well said uh, there's a line that i've was told multiple times which is like interesting people talking yes interesting people talking dude is great content i mean Mm -hmm. we've seen the success of podcasts but like films like my dinner with andre or Mm -hmm. you know richard linkladders before sunrise before sunset before midnight these are films of just interesting people talking yep interesting people talking i mean how do i want to spend what's my ideal day a day walking around in nature with a very interesting friend talking Interesting people talking. That's a very powerful thing. And, and you can sort of refine that idea. You know, uh, I take a lot of inspiration from the Edge Foundation. Mm. They have this log line. John Brockman created this. But the log line is to arrive at the edge of the world's knowledge, to gather the world's most interesting minds, to put them together in a room and to have them ask each other the questions they've been asking themselves, mm. which I just think is like, whew, mic drop, brilliant. Mm-hmm.
0: So I've got a great question. For okay, you. And I've kind of <laughs> I want I want your your take on this. Sure. So you're talking about interesting people talking and, and yeah. kind of this hive mind type scenario. of yeah. You know, two people jamming or multiple people jamming and coming together <laughs> throughout the space and time. There's been you know some of the most important inventions. Are the you know the, the print press you know writing language the shared language all these different components? But today we are now in a at a precipice where I think what it was last week or, or whatever it was Bard Google's Bard came out with it mm. which is AI. Mm. Obviously, everyone's heard of or I don't want to say everyone, but many people have heard of ChatGPT. Yeah, fastest ever um, production. You know, zero to ten million users faster than anything and anyone ever. Um, yeah. We're clearly entering a different era, a different time and space. Are you worried in any way, shape or form about AI? Are you concerned that somehow it might pull away from artistic expression? I'm more worried about the medium of it.
1: I'm worried about humans using AI uh, in the wrong way. I mean, technology has this double-edged sword quality. You can use fire to cook your food or to burn the village. You can use the alphabet for rhapsodic poetry and encoding knowledge or for hate speech propaganda. You can use social media to share meaningful ideas and empower people to have a voice, or it can be weaponized with fake news and so on and so forth. So, you know, AI could be a step function in in, in a new kind of capacity for human beings. Mm-hmm of which the creative possibilities are currently what you might call the unknown unknown, where we haven't even begun to imagine what will become possible. But it could go sour, too, and people could engage with these tools in a way that has outcomes that are problematic, for sure. So I feel like there's very, very smart people trying to curtail that runaway effect, people like Tristan Harris, Mm-hmm. Who I'm such a fan of. I just saw him speak at a conference and,
0: and he's the yeah. guy behind the social network. Uh, the
1: So the, the social dilemma. The
0: social dilemma, sorry, yeah. yes, yes. We sir. have yeah.
1: friends in common. But but you know, I feel like the grown-ups, he represents to me like an example of like, okay, the grown-ups are are in the room and they're gonna figure this out and they understand where this could go hairy. Yeah. Um and then I see myself more as just like one of the artists who is just like the artist's role is to figure out how to how to use this tool or technology to make more beautiful art. Mm. and uh, But thankfully there's the grownups and there's mm. the artists and we're all playing around with this. What I'm not as interested in is the ones that are just fatalistic where it's like, they just think everything's going to hell and that's it. Let's just go into despair. Mm. It seems to me like unproductive.
0: Yeah. Like part of me feels like we, we, it's a natural evolution, number sure. one, of the internet, but also of humanity. Sure, sure, you know what I mean. Like, are we are we more likely to become transhumanistic, and have we not already? I mean, are we not using technology, phones? All <laughs> kinds of, I mean, <laughs> even <laughs> e-bikes are part of a, a form of, in a weirdest way, transhumanism.
1: We are totally. Transhumanism. Yeah, we're already people who put on reading glasses are yeah. are technological cyborgs. Exactly. They are a hybrid of biological and non biological props and scaffoldings. Yeah, this podcast and I keep using this very like cheesy analogy, but we're electrifying conversation right now. Mm-hmm. Like our words, our ideas, our little naked monkey noises, vibrations from our throat are being like electrified and digitized and amplified and distributed across the planet. Like. We are technology. You know? I'm, I'm compelled by uh, Kevin Kelly's notion of technology, the aggregate of all of our technology being kind of organismic. He calls it the technium, and he says the technium is the seventh kingdom of life and uh, subject to the same evolutionary forces as biological evolution. And in the end, the whole distinction between the born and the made is a human distinction that doesn't really apply. From the perspective of, like, the aliens, everything was born of the biosphere of the Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, computers were born of biological processes and biological beings. You know? So uh, computers and trees, they're both nature, in my opinion. Mm. You know, so so even the idea of transhumanism is more like a cultural way of like trying to offer like a context for us being this hybrid of what you oh you might call the, bi- the biological and the non-biological but the non-biological that was made by the biological is still in some sense an extension of the biological because we it's a made natural all this Exactly. yeah exactly,
0: exactly. It's a natural progression of That's our right. of our reality That's it's, right. it's, it's it's almost like a a form of darwinism but now playing out in, in, a, so. in a technological way
1: and doesn't take as long for interesting mutations to be adopted mm-hmm. for things to be useful because there's a sense of what you know call it consciousness call it awareness so it, it's more self-directed it doesn't it, it, the 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 what you the evolutionary process isn't just like a blind trial and error over billions of years anymore mm-hmm. it, it's happening in shorter and shorter time scales through self-directed action of conscious beings and so it's going like that you know like it's it's a logarithmic H- exponential yeah yeah, yeah, yeah no
0: on. doubt so i'll end with this um last question which is
1: you know I've, we've
0: talked a little bit about this this new studio this new space um this medium grateful um, to you, um, and bro. how my and from my perspective i think it, it relates to the existing way that you currently make sure and share your stories your thoughts and your flow states let's sure. say um you know what tell us more a little bit about like where you think your podcast is going why you know what are you excited about when it comes to the creating a podcast um Thank you know you. anything anything related to that i mean it just you know why you're excited about the studio why you're excited to use you you
1: know i mean okay so you know i've avoided doing this because i i feared fatigue and i feared burnout and i felt like it's such a big commitment but i've decided to take away all of that pressure mm-hmm. I, i'm not i'm not doing this oriented around how do i sell it or how do i get a sponsor or how do i get only high profile guests to boost the numbers like I'm, i'm going back to the roots of what joe rogan started doing with his pals what i was doing in high school with my pals like i'm just looking forward to Seeing what happens when I record some of the conversations that I have with the people that I find most compelling in the world and Mm -hmm. seeing what those conversations look like when captured elegantly with Mm -hmm. a professional media scaffolding like this. Mm -hmm. And I suspect that when I watch those videos, just like I watched those videos in high school with me and my friends, I suspect that I will be very impressed with what I see. I, I suspect that I will see things in conversation that I didn't plan for that I didn't conceive of, that I didn't imagine. And I think I'll be delightfully surprised by the emergent properties of the podcast. In other words, I'll be surprised not just by what comes out of my guests' mouths, but what comes out of my own mouth, which in turn will encourage me to be more free in my non-podcast life, to simply be more trusting of what emerges in the moment. So it'll be hopefully a practice of being in the moment as well. And, um, you know, it's been an honor. This is our first recording together. And I know this is technically for your podcast, but maybe we can release some of these clips Oh, hundred percent. because this, this feels like the real first episode, even though it's technically on your podcast, <laughs> it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's but, the first, it it's, it, the, yeah. it's technically on all of them. Yeah, exactly. It the, feels like a shared one.
0: But what, what I, what I want to, um, hopefully think people get just, something out of it. Oh, I'm sure. A hundred percent. But the, 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 one of the things that I, I, I've learned actually, it was a word that I learned from you. Is the word "suchness," Oof. right? So you brought you just kind of described that idea of yeah. I'm going to be pleasantly surprised by yeah. the by the flow states sure. and by the different you know virginal elements of of conversation and different yeah. things that might come up mm-hmm. as you're you're using this medium mm-hmm. to express yourself and then to you know publish it and allow others to kind of join on
1: that journey. Um, Imagine what's going to happen. What's going to happen? Like again, it's like people are going to get to be flies on the wall mm-hmm. in 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 my own experience of the most electrifying conversations of my life mm-hmm. like and so if if you place any value on my mind as a curatorial filter on the world which i suppose that's what i do when i follow someone 100%. when i follow someone 100%. what i'm saying is i'm invested in the filtering capacity of your curatorial mind anybody i follow on instagram anybody that i follow on twitter youtubers like the nerd writer i'm basically saying that anything you make i want it to wash over me i like how your mind processes the world and i get a lot of value from investing in the curatorial authorship of minds i respect in turn anyone who feels that way about me anyone who's ever liked my videos anyone who likes The way the world comes out of my my mouth, you know, they will probably get a lot of value from this conversation. And I'm not doing it for them either, though. Like I'm just doing this because I'm alive, you know. But but it's a really a wonderful blessing, like an icing on the cake, that my aliveness could be valuable to someone else. What a gift to to sort of to sort of take care of yourself and somehow take care of others. In some weird way
0: well the way i see it is that you're capturing suchness yes can you describe can you just like for somebody who hears that word and is like i yeah maybe, like it's a kind of word that maybe somebody's like kind of understands for sure but now i want i want to try and let's define it let's try and define that exactly like what how would you go about saying what
1: is suchness? Such is, is so aldous huxley who is the author of the doors of perception Uh, He wrote an account of his experiences with the psychedelic compound known as mescaline, and he was a literate professorial figure, so his penmanship of the experience was just sublime, and that's a classic psychedelic text. In that book, he introduces the term suchness, and he was trying to get at the ineffability of the sort of aura of profundity in which objects were bathed when he was in the throngs of that psychedelic rapture so he felt like he had entered a platonic realm where objects and things where, where the world was seen again in his words in all of its suchness so what does that mean well imagine yourself in a state of deep deep contemplation and deep deep presence. Imagine it's a radiant afternoon. You're in a gorgeous natural environment. You're just in an e- in Eden. You're, you're in the garden of Eden. Maybe there's some music playing. You're just in this kind of dreamy mode and everything is effervescent. And all of a sudden on the water, you see a swan You know, glide by. Now, you're not just looking at a swan and, and dismissing it into the verbal association, like, oh, well, yeah, a swan, been there, done that, been there and seen that of the adult mind. No, in this moment, as the swan crosses your visual field, it arrests your mind's attention. It hurls you into contemplation. You are seeing not just the swan, but the suchness of the swan, the essence of the swan, the, the platonic, mythopoetic, archetypal realm in which swanness the quality of swanness is born from so it's 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 a quality of attention that you bring to the world where things reveal themselves in all of their suchness and and when you're in that state everything assumes the proportions of a miracle and everything can be enjoyed with contemplative exactitude and so to me that is nourishing because it renders the world holy And when the world is rendered holy, well, you're in the miraculousness of being and you're definitely not bored or grumpy or depressed or anxious. You're simply moved, often to the point of tears, bathed in awe. Mm -hmm. All your maps and assumptions are obliterated and you are gasping for air, compelled into aesthetic contemplation. And as F. Scott Fitzgerald said, face to face with something can measure it to your capacity for wonder. You're like Jodie Foster in the film Contact when she hurls into another dimension through the wormhole and she sees a celestial event, gets a tears in her eye, and says, "I had no idea, I had no idea, I had no idea." They should have sent a poet. And so it's just like <laughs> and so it's always like so, so. Suchness is a return to that man. It's a return to the promised land. It's a return to aliveness and divinity and rhapsody and poetry and gratitude and grace. I mean, it's that, you know, it's a, it's a nice antidote to our existential jadedness.
0: Mm, No, I definitely couldn't have better, better myself. Um, well, thank you for, thank you for, for, you know, defining that. Thank you for, you know, setting up and doing, and doing this type of work over years. Because I, to me, I, I recognize the art behind what you're doing. Sure, I you. recognize the. Actually, I'll say this: I recognize the suchness of mm. how how it was, mm. how it is, and how it will be. Mm. Right? I see the miracle, and all the tiny miracles that led to who you are, <laughs> the character of who you are, oh as you were, as you are, and as you will be. And and I think my role here is just to to try and take this medium, this these shorter versions of your suchness, the shorter versions of your ability to express and capture uh, with words the miracles that are existing uh, ra- of the world around us, and to, and, to, and to enable everyone who I know is a fan of you, eh, all the people who are around, or maybe the newest fans, the new people who are going to discover you as you get to go into the longer realms, the longer formats, and the longer forms of a podcast of this medium in and of Mm -hmm. itself because to me um as i've said many times the medium is the message and i think that now more than ever as everyone is zagging towards the the kind of like shorter faster you know like we need to make clips and keep people really interested in this stuff in a weird way as everyone is zagging towards the type of videos that you've been making if you can zig in the other direction now and start saying well you know what like, yeah, maybe you can, you can have a, you know, a nice little rant for two minutes or whatever it is, but now can you, can you carry this conversation with the depth, the exactitude, with the capacity that you have, with all the books that I see in your space over here, I know that you're researched. And that's felt, and that's felt powerfully in a different format, in a different medium, in a longer format, in a different medium. Um, that I think this is going to enable. So I'm excited for your podcast.
1: I want to cry, bro. (laughs) What the fuck, dude? Yeah, You're so beautiful, dude. Oh, thank you. What the fuck, man? God, (laughs) thank you. No, seriously, because, you know... How do I put this, man? Uh, I feel things very intensely, right? I'm very alive. I want to be very alive. I am. I. I. I, I am alive. But I, um, you know, sometimes being alive means I go off on these fucking rants, you know, and I don't want to be suffocating to others. I don't want to suck the energy in the room. I don't want to. You know, I just there's sometimes a feeling that like, well, let me let me hunch over a little bit so that i'm not off putting and I, and i get that you know we don't want someone else in our face all the time you know mm-hmm. and it's why i've gravitated towards like kind of smaller more intimate spaces where i can be myself because you know maybe it's the complex of being a tall kid and already feeling like you stick out in some way you know um Maybe it's because I wasn't so comfortable in many social interactions. And so then I became more intellectually dominant in the classroom, whatever it was. I had to find spaces where I could shine brightly without that being off-putting to others. Mm -hmm. So just to have someone who just has like so selflessly and generously empowered me in this way. I'm I'm just not used to people like wanting to give me more power. You know, like, and what I mean by that is just creative freedom. Sure. You know, it's yeah. so, I, I it's feel so like it's beautiful. Like
0: easiest way for me to support your art is rather than saying, because I can't buy it. I can't capture it. I cannot put your art in a bottle and say, yeah. oh, this is mine now, yeah, right, or right, he made right, this right. video yeah. for me or with yeah, me and, yeah. and I can participate yeah, in it. Yeah. I can help yeah. you record it. I can yeah. do different things. Yeah. But the biggest way that I could participate in it is give you another freedom, another- so a, a, To create that wonderful. bubble that you don't have to literally leave your house. You don't have to go on the bike ride. You don't have to cross the ferry. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> have to be nice outside. It doesn't have to be cold. It doesn't have to be warm. It doesn't have to be any of those things. Dude. You don't need multiple people to do it. Dude. You could just turn on the lights, turn mm. on the recording, and just go and flow. And just so. so for me, this is, yeah, this really is the best gift that I can give you. Uh, I and I'm honored uh, to be able to share it with uh, you. I'm honored to be able to give it.
1: I I am so grateful. Well, and, I'm and and, and, and I uh, really admire you. I had this realization yesterday about your superhero academy and mm-hmm. your connection to superheroes, and you were telling me your favorite superheroes. And in that moment, what was so beautiful to me was how alive your little boy was (laughs) because my little boy is very alive too. No kidding. And there's nothing more tragic than men and women who have killed their inner child or who have suffocated their inner child or whose inner child was so diminished, so hurt, Yeah, that that these people have created a a persona built on artifice because they carry so much shame and Mm self-loathing. And when I meet people who are alive in their inner child, uh, it shows me their heart and it makes me admire them even more. So thank you.
0: Well, my pleasure and thank you so much for for doing what you do. Um excited for your podcast for anybody listening to this. They have to listen to this episode, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, well we're, we're there's going to there's so much more coming. We don't wow. know when it's coming. We don't even know all the details of all of these different things, but what we could tell you is it is coming. And um, we're excited about it. We're really excited to create this and um, yeah, just really excited to call you a better and better and better friend and I'm excited to continue to play and continue to share my Uh, my open heart with you in every in every way and and to share each other's superpowers with with one another so thank you thank you mark all right